Well, today is a day of endings in many ways. We have not only come to the end of 2023, we've come to the end of our study in the book of Malachi. And I'm a bit sad about it because this book has been tremendous, a tremendous blessing to me over the years. And our time in it over the past couple of months has only increased that blessing. And as we come to the end, I can assure you that the end does not disappoint, disappoint us. There's even a, another blessing to be had for us as the people of God from the book of Malachi. In our text today, Malachi turns his attention to the future and he calls us to do the same because the promise of God's future work offers a unique blessing to the faithful of God. The future promises of God are meant to help sustain us in our pursuit of faithfulness. Here's an example. Let's think about the story of Noah. That story is, begins in Genesis chapter 6, and the Bible tells us that in the days of Noah, the earth was corrupt, and it was filled with violence, every kind of evil. Humanity was so depraved, the Bible tells us that it grieved the Lord. And so God raised up Noah to build a vessel of salvation in the midst of his coming righteous judgment upon all of sinful humanity. The Bible tells us that Noah walked with God, and because of that, God used Noah to build a boat through which a remnant of creation, Noah's family and, of course, all the animals that we love to think about and talk about, they got to get on this boat and be spared from that judgment, from the wrath of God. God told Noah of the coming judgment that was about to be rained down upon the earth, and Noah acted. He built this boat in faithfulness because of the future promises of God. And listen to how the author of Hebrews describes this action of Noah in chapter 11, verse 7, in that hall of faith chapter. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the sake of saving his own household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, I can't think of a better way to describe the challenge that Malachi is offering the people of God in our text today. In fact, it seems that God has established a pattern that we see in the story of Noah and throughout the Old Testament, a pattern in his interaction that's repeated for the sake of God's people. Through the inspiring work of the Spirit, Malachi declares to God's people a future work, and he's doing this so that it will lead them to faithfulness, either to continue in faithfulness or return to faithfulness if they were currently walking in unfaithfulness. God tells his people, one day he will rain down judgment again upon the earth, as in the days of Noah, but actually it'll be worse than in the days of Noah. And on that day, the faithful will be separated from the unfaithful again. Here's the question, who will be found faithful? Will you be among the faithful on that day when the Lord comes in judgment Hear the blessing this morning from Malachi's message, from the ending of this, this book. 
God is giving us a glimpse of the future, a gracious glimpse of the future to help us endure. And that's the main point of our text today. The promise of God's future work should lead us to enduring faithfulness. The promise of God's future work revealed to us in his mercy and grace should lead us to enduring faithfulness. So let's receive this encouragement from Malachi today. And we're going to start with some verses we've already read to make sure we get the full context of this final message. We're going to begin in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, and read to the end of the book. Here's what the Word of God says. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You've said it's vain to serve God. What's the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. And that day when I make up my treasured possession and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more, you will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant, all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set ablaze those evildoers, those arrogant, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch, but for you, Who fear my name, the sun of righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings. You will go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. So remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes, the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. And behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And the teaching of the Bible, there are only two types of people, only two categories of people. And you're either in one or you are in the other. And here they are. You're either faithful or you're unfaithful. You're either righteous or you are unrighteous. And that's it. Those are the only categories that you can be categorized in. Psalm 1 tells us about this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The wicked are not so. They will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Psalm 1 is a gateway into all of the wisdom of the Psalms, really a gateway into all of the wisdom literature of the Bible, says you're either blessed or you're not. You're wicked, you're good, or you're wicked. You're righteous, or you're unrighteous. And this is, this kind of categorization is continued throughout the scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, we hear the story of the the wise and the foolish man. It seems like we talk about that story a lot around here, and all you kids in the room should know it. The, The wise man, he built his house upon the what? The rock. The foolish man built his house upon the what? The sand. 
And what happened when the rains came down and the floods came up? The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. But what happened to the house that was built upon the sand? Whoosh. Washed away. You're either wise or you're foolish. Those are the only two categories. And those categories are reiterated here. But here's the problem. Here's the problem that God's people have been articulating in the time of Malachi. These categories, they seem to be fading. These categories seem to be breaking down, or at least the qualifiers for being declared either faithful or unfaithful seem to be changing. Certainly the benefit of being faithful seems to be changing. Their complaint, according to verse 15 of chapter 3, is that the arrogant seem to be blessed, evildoers prosper. They're putting God to the test, and somehow they are escaping his judgment. Well, at the end of Malachi's book, he wants to address this ongoing complaint directly. And he does so by appealing to the future work of God, a future work that will clearly once and for all, distinguish between those who are righteous and those who are unrighteous, those who serve God and those who do not. What may be hard to see right now, from your limited perspective, O people of God, will be made abundantly clear on the day of the Lord. Verse 18 of chapter 3, once more, you will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not. And consider what Malachi says about the distinction, what it will look like for the righteous and the unrighteous, the unfaithful or the faithful on that day. Let's begin with what will happen to the unfaithful on that day. Malachi begins by declaring to the faithful a word of encouragement for them and a word of warning to the unfaithful. Those who oppose God, those who oppose the Lord, the arrogant, those who seem to be blessed according to the, the testimony of the people of God in verse 15, all evildoers who you say have put God to the test and escaped, they will not escape. In fact, Malachi says they will be turned to stubble, dried parts of grass that's used for brick making. God will consume them in his judgments. He will give them what they deserved, what they've earned. Eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And what a, a warning to all those who have rejected God. What a warning to all those who oppose his purposes, even those who have grown indifferent to him and don't believe his promises about how this work of redemption, how his work of redemption will end. If you think you know better than God about what you deserve, if you wanna be controlled, in control of your own life, freed from the providential workings of God, you will get that reward in hell. Here's how... Here's how Tim Keller describes the reality of hell for the unfaithful. What is hell then? It is God actively giving us up to what we have freely chosen, to go our own way, to be our own mas the master of our fate, the captor, captain of our soul, to get away from him and his control. It is God banishing us to regions we have desperately tried to get into all of our lives. If the thing you most want 
is to worship God and the beauty of his holiness, then that is what you get. But if the thing that you most want is to be your own master, then the holiness of God will become an agony and the presence of God a terror that you will try to flee from forever. Now, do you see how the unfaithful have earned this reality, this eternal reality? It's revealed in their complaint. Verse 14, what does it profit us? What does it profit me to serve the Lord? You see, they were always primarily focused on themselves rather than God. They were not looking to God. They were looking at themselves because in reality, those who were complaining, the unfaithful, they saw themselves as the object of their worship. They were fine worshiping God as long as it got them the land, the shiny new temple, the fortified walls. They were fine following the Lord as long as they got the milk and the honey, the wine and the cheese. But as soon as those earthly comforts were threatened, their faithfulness waned. It shows you that their frustration was rooted in a flawed perspective about who God is and what their responsibility to him was as his covenant people. They were man-centered in their thinking and they were upset with God that his thinking wasn't the same. The unfaithful have not grasped that everything exists. Everything exists for the glory and divine purposes of God. And because of that, they think they would be better off without him. And the reality of that faithlessness will lead to eternal judgment that will be clearly, clearly shown, revealed when Jesus returns. But the future of the faithful, according to Malachi, will be entirely different. Those who have lived for the Lord will receive the fruit of every promise he has made them. If you endure... The Lord will spare you from judgment, Malachi says, and he will reward your acts of faithfulness. And even more than that, he will avenge you. He will bring judgment upon those who have come against you. The wicked will be trampled under your feet, Malachi says in chapter 4, verse 3. Listen to these promises from God to the faithful who endure in seasons of suffering and persecution. This is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. This evidence of the righteousness, the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among those, among among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. And then listen to Revelation chapter 5. Verses 6 through 10, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Here's what the Word of God says. 
between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, listen to this, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they will reign on the earth. So think about this. God's about to rain down judgment. The day of the Lord is coming. And here's what the Bible tells us will be before him as he begins to unfold his act of judgment. The prayers of the saints. Isn't that remarkable? That God is storing up the prayers of his persecuted people. God is storing up the prayers of those who are in distress because of their faithfulness. And when he brings justice, when he brings his judgment upon the earth, at the end of, of, of this, this moment, the prayers of the saints will be at the front of his mind. What a remarkable thing for us to consider. This is what God is promising and Malachi throughout the scripture as an encouragement to us. Whereas the day of the Lord should make the, the being of the unfaithful shake. The day of the Lord is a glorious thing for us to behold as the people of God. Malachi says it should be like the sun breaking through clouds of a terrible storm. That day will cause us to leap for joy like a, a calf being released from its stall. I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that where uh, an animal's been confined for a long time and it's released and it goes out jumping for joy. It's like kids being in school all day and then all of a sudden they get to go to recess. It's gonna be great for us, a wonderful thing for us to behold when that door is open and we get to step into eternity in the light of Christ. That day will be full of delight because it will be full of fulfillment for the people of God as we see the faithfulness of God on display, our inheritance because of the fact that God has allowed us to walk in faithfulness as a gift of the Spirit. The Lord will finally show the fullness of his blessing to the people that he has called to himself. And he will also show the fullness of his judgment to those who have rejected him. And that leads Malachi to a challenge. Once he's, he's given a glimpse for those who are listening of the future of the, the unrighteous, the unfaithful, and the future of the faithful, the future of the righteous, he gives a challenge to the faithful. It's a weighty and glorious truth that God has given to his people by his grace, by his mercy. And then he, he gives them a challenge in light of what he has revealed. God's allowing you to see behind the curtain to help you walk and faithfulness. Look at verse 4 of Malachi chapter 4. Because of all this, because of the great day of the Lord, remember the law of my servant Moses. Remember the statutes. Remember the rules that I commanded him at Horeb, another name for Sinai, for all of Israel. Because of what is coming, the future day of the Lord, remember, remember the law of Moses. 
Remember the statutes and to walk in them for my glory and your good. Knowing the reality of God's judgment, knowing that he is keeping notes of those who are righteous and those who are unrighteous. Knowing that, as we talked about last week on Christmas Eve, that he's even keeping a note of the faithful deeds of the righteous should encourage us to know what it looks like to walk in faithfulness from the word of God and strive to walk in it because on that day when Christ returns, as the wicked receive their judgment, we will receive a reward. Here's a quote I shared last week that I want to re-share with us as a word of encouragement to us to think about the fact that God is watching us and taking note of our acts of faithfulness to reward us on that day when we will stand before him. Every time a follower of Jesus respects their body and rejects intimacy before marriage, God sees and honors that decision. Every time a believer refuses to engage in immoral talk or look at immoral images, God recognizes that. Every time you avert gossip, every time you bear the burden of an injustice and refuse to lash out, God sees that. Every time a family opens their home to be a Christian witness to the world, God sees that. Every time you share the gospel with a lost family member or friend, God sees that whether or not anyone else does. Listen, God delights in his children walking in faith, walking in obedience, and it should please us. It should bring delight to us to bring delight to him. That's the challenge. I'm giving you this glimpse of the future faithful to help spur you on into faithfulness, knowing that even if you don't see it right now, one day you will receive a reward. And then, by God's grace, he also offers a glimmer of hope to the unfaithful. He gives a challenge to the faithful in light of the future work of Christ. But then he gives a glimmer of hope even to the unfaithful, as we sang about the mercy of God earlier today, can we just rest and celebrate the mercy of God in this text? For those who are in the unfaithful group, God offers an opportunity for change because the day of the Lord is not yet. His judgment has not come. God is showing mercy and delaying that judgment to give as many people as possible an opportunity to repent and to find salvation. Look at verses five and six again. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to, to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Before the second coming of Christ, Jesus will come a first time. Before that great and awesome day of judgment will come another great and awesome day of salvation where a better ark of salvation will be offered, where God will give an opportunity for the hearts of his people to be turned, fathers to their children and children to their fathers through the sending of his son. And God will give us a sign of this first work that will prepare us for the latter work. He will send a prophet, like the prophet Elijah, a great prophet who will prepare the way, who will call God's people to repentance and point them to the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Now, of course, we know the fulfillment of this prophecy is John the Baptist by the testimony of the New Testament. But I want you to see the mercy of God here. 
God is giving even the unfaithful an opportunity to get on the boat, to get on the ark, to be saved from the flood and to be brought with the people of God into a new heaven and a new earth which is being built by Christ. The reality of God's judgment should be a warning to the unfaithful. The reality of his mercy, though, should be a source of joy. And it should lead all of us who do not yet know Christ to repentance, to salvation where it can only be found in Jesus. God has given us a glimpse of his future work. Will those future promises, church, affect our present faithfulness? It should. That's why God's given them to us. So how should we respond this morning? I just want us to think about three responses that we can take away from the end of the book of Malachi, but really from our whole study in the book of Malachi. And here's the first response. Consider the full work of Christ. That's what we've been doing in this season of Advent, right? Thinking about celebrating the first coming of Christ as we anticipate the second. We live, as one theologian said, between the wince and the wither of Christ between the wince and the wither of Christ. We live because of Christ's first work with an eye toward his return. You see, the work of Christ is both already and not yet. It is finished, as we sang earlier, and yet it is also not finished. God's work of salvation has been accomplished. That is finished through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But this plan, this, this larger plan of redemption is still unfolding. And we must be continually mindful of that, that we live in this already not yet tension. we got to remember the place we currently exist within this larger unfolding redemptive work. For the faithful, those who are faithful because they are in Christ, this reality should call us to greater faithfulness, to know God's word and walk in it, knowing that God sees it. And that God will be pleased by our faithfulness. I wonder, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, if this year, in 2024, this coming year, will you ask, what pleases God more than what pleases me? Could you imagine how your life would change? The blessing you would find if you lived with that question in mind? What brings a smile to God? What pleases him? If that would be the driving force of your life more than what pleases me? I think we've seen the evidence from the book of Malachi that greater blessing comes when we have an eye toward the Lord more than we have an eye toward ourselves. For the unfaithful, those who have not yet repented and believed, whether you're in the room or you're joining us online today, God has given you a wonderful opportunity to hear what is coming, to hear about the provision God has, has given to save you from that future judgment and eternal separation and a place called hell and repent. To turn away from your sin and toward a savior. And there's no better decision you can make at the end of this year, the first of next year, or any point in your life than following Jesus. And so would you receive the grace and mercy of God today by turning toward Christ. In just a minute, we'll have some, some pastors, some ministers who would love to pray with you. Allow the first coming of Christ, the work of Christ finished upon the cross to prepare you for his second coming by giving your life to Jesus. 
Friends, would you get on the ark of salvation that Jesus has built for you, that Jesus is for you? Response two, let's delight in the future work of Christ. Let's really delight as a people in the future work of Christ. This is a a challenge the Lord has stirred in me of late. The Christian hope is a future hope, right? It's a future hope. Now listen, while we certainly get foretastes of the full blessing that God is preparing for us here, our joy will not be complete until glory. And this is so important for us to grasp because for many of us, we can fall into a, an unhealthy longing for the past as if the, the best days are behind us, right? Our glory days. Some of us think about our best days being in the past. Man, when I was in college, that was, that was the peak. And I get it. I went to LSU. That's a great place. My best days are my best days were when I was on the football field, when everybody was screaming my name, and I got to, to, to exhibit the great athletic prowess that God blessed me with in this body. That was, that was the time. That's obviously just uh, an example. I, that wasn't me. I'll just For some of you, maybe you had a great time on a football field. The, the best days, man, they were when our kids were home. We keep looking at the past like it's the best, right? Or America's best days, they're, they're behind us, right? Man, in the, in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s, man, that was, the, in the 80s, that was, that was the, I, man, I wish we could go back to the 80s. I wish we could go back to the 90s. Some people even think about the church that way, right? And the church, it was really great 100 years ago. It was great 50 years ago. Man, Bayleaf, it was it was something in the 50s and the 60s. It was really great in the 70s and the 80s. Now listen, there's a, there's a way to appreciate the life that God has given us in years past, right? But we gotta be careful that we don't long for the past more than we long for the future. Because church, Christian, we are called to be a future-minded people. Listen to what it Listen to what the author of Ecclesiastes says in Ecclesiastes 7.10. Now remember, Ecclesiastes is part of wisdom literature, right? Ecclesiastes 7.10. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Can I, can I say that again? Say not, why were the former days? Why were the glory days? Why was yesterday better than these days? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Listen, the Bible is constantly moving our gaze toward the future. And could I also say this? I think sometimes the Lord allows discomfort, allows us to experience a kind of degradingness, a degrading work in our lives to remind us that this world is not our home. It's kind of built into the fabric, how everything fades, right? Some of you kids, you got a great toy on Monday, and you're already bored with it. Because that's just, that's just what happens in life. Everything in this world is fleeting. 
because we were not made for this world. God is constantly, and the fabric of creation, through the inspired word that he has given to us, pointing our gaze toward the future, toward Christ. Of course, his past work, but also on this future work that our hope must be rooted in. This world is changing, it is fading on purpose to remind us where our true joy is found. Would you long for the future more than you long for the past? Because that is the day. That is the day when we will see God's plan perfectly revealed. And finally, response three. Would you live in faith-stirring community? This is certainly one of the, the takeaways I get from the study of the book of Malachi. We can stir one another up toward complaints and foolishness, or we can stir one another up to worship and faithfulness. There's a lot of complaining in this book. A lot of complaining. And you know, we've talked about it, complaining spreads, doesn't it? Negativity spreads. But that's not supposed to be the quality of the people of God. We're supposed to stir each other up to love and good works. Church, could we not be like the complainers, which are not evidencing the fruit of the Spirit? Could we be like this, this faithful remnant who turn to one another? Verse 16, those who fear the Lord, they spoke with one another and they, they encouraged each other to remember the promises of God and walk in faithfulness and not complain. There's no question that one of the best decisions you can make in 2024 is to join a committed body of believers that are pushing each other toward faithfulness. And aren't you so grateful to be a part of a church like Bailey Baptist Church that is serious about the word of God, serious about delighting in the word of God and challenging each other to walk in faithfulness for the glory of God. Let's, let's stir each other up to remember the full work of Christ. And even though there may be days where it's discouraging, and maybe there be days where the line between the righteous and the unrighteous seems to be fading, we have a promise and we have a hope that one day the distinction will be made clear between the righteous and the unrighteous. And for those of us who are in Christ, that will be a glorious, joyous Thank you for joining us this week at Bayleaf. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website at bayleaf.org.